Hello and welcome to Meet the Education Researcher. This is a podcast from the Faculty of Education at Monash University. And here we talk with researchers in and around the faculty about their current reading, writing and thinking. So welcome to a bonus recording in our semi-regular series of Meet the Education Researcher podcasts. My name is Neil Selwyn and I work in the Faculty of Education, Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. These recordings usually involve talking with researchers in and around the faculty, but this recording is slightly different. Today I'm talking with Eleanor Christie. Good morning, Eleanor. Hi, Neil. So you're a commissioning editor for Palgrave Macmillan. Palgrave is one of the big publishing houses that we're always being encouraged to write academic books for, and you've travelled 10,000 miles from London to come to education faculties to scout for talent. So can you talk me through what a commissioning editor does, and also why you're over in Melbourne at the moment? So a commissioning editor does exactly that. They go out and they commission books. Um, But obviously, we don't want to wait around for books to come to us. We want to make sure that we also go out and get the best research. And that's why we contact people at conferences, but also we contact people at campuses because some people can't come to conferences uh, every year or in particular locations. So I'm coming out to come and talk to people about the research that they're doing and making sure that they're not shy about sharing it. Um, so, you know, looking through what's going on, what research centres are doing and getting in contact with people. The reason why I'm in Australia is because I think there's lots of exciting and innovative research that's happening, particularly within education. For example, obviously Monash is really high up in rankings you know whether or not we like to talk about rankings um you know it's still interesting to see that it it is up there and so I wanted to sort of come out and talk to people face to face and hear about more about what's going on so I'm always fascinated how many manuscripts are you like handling a year are you kind of inundated with proposals all the time or are you kind of desperately sniffing out stuff um I mean it can depend a bit more um on topics like because I'm not looking at the details as you are day to day I'm looking at a more bird's eye view I get to see trends a bit more so I definitely sort of have um, periods where I have proposals that sort of look at similar topics and then it goes quiet Um, and again around the year obviously it it goes with the academic terms and you know the highs and lows so around September time I get a lot from UK academics because they've just had their summer break and you know they've had time to work on it so it kind of goes into those patterns. The timing is key I guess from a southern hemisphere perspective sticking in a proposal in September is not a particularly good idea but a good time to hit you might be (laughs) kind of March April time. Um, I mean you know send it in whenever this works for you but there might be a little bit of a slower response in September. So topic I'm really interested in topics I mean what topics topics and areas and issues in in education research are you kind of picking up on as being hot at the moment? So something that I've noticed is really hot at the moment is sort of critical looks at higher education. So, you know, what's happening because of neoliberalism um, and that's speaking to people both within education departments but obviously academics all over because everyone's sort of having the lack of stability within their jobs Um, and I think it's been interesting to look at the comparison of the Australian context and the UK context because obviously there's a lot of UK academics that are coming to Australia um, and you know looking at the reasons behind that mm. um, so. yes exactly <laughs> so I mean this issue of precariat the precariat yeah. and alt academia so I'm interested in terms of I mean that's an area that we research in education how do you make that into a book how do you make that interesting that people are going to kind of read or even buy so looking at who you want to reach that's sort of what I always recommend as the starting point for developing the identity of a book because obviously 
if you've got a big research project that's been going for two or three years, you're going to have more data than you could ever fit in a book. So if you look at the reader first and thinking about the data that you want to tell them about, then that will help you kind of shape it a little bit more and develop the book from there. So are you looking for books with data? Because I always got a sense that you prefer a kind of book that would be general and, you know, just kind of state of the state of the union type thing. But is data um, a bad thing? Data and theory. They're different books, but they can be complementary. I mean, I just use that as an example to, to demonstrate that you mm. have to pick and choose to sort of hone down the book and sort of make it have more of an identity to try and reach a reader rather than try and, and reach a whole market and, and try and do too much. So this idea of identity is really interesting. Can you unpack it a little bit? What do you mean by mm. having a book having identity? That's something that really grabs me when I, I look at a proposal and it looks really strong to me if it knows what it's trying to achieve. And it also it's not a shame to sort of not try and do too much. So sort of having clear a clear narrative throughout the chapter summaries that I'm looking at, having there's a reason why these chapters are together rather than being published as separate articles, mm. um, sort of how it develops over the book, um, but also how it's responding to what's already in the field um, and developing its identity that way as well, because yeah, yeah. that makes me have a much stronger feeling for why it should be published rather than sort of saying this will be everything to everyone because obviously that's just not realistic. Absolutely. And so one of the things as, as a kind of more senior academic is I'm always trying to cobble together papers that I've written mm. into a book and as you're kind of hinting that's possibly a problem. And then the other thing we've got lots of people coming out of PhDs that are trying mm. to get their PhDs published. So I mean how do you make a, a PhD thesis into a book? I mean how do you kind of give it that, that book yeah. identity? Well I think I often recommend that people have a break from their thesis so that they have a chance to step back from it and work out what will work as a book and what will work as a thesis because obviously they're two very different formats and it normally takes about a year's worth of work to develop a book from a thesis so it's sort of having that realistic ambition as well. Um, as academics, you're always building on work you've done in the past. So it's sort of making sure you're bringing something new to the table while also using the resources that you have. Um, and I think it's the same with using articles to create a book as well. You're using particular ideas, but obviously you're building on it for the later book. Um they're never going to be separate, but they do offer new things to the reader. It needs to be more than the sum of its parts. Exactly. When you also talked about having a very clear idea about who you're writing the book for, so I'm really interested. I mean, who are you looking to actually kind of sell these books for? Who are the audiences and markets that we mm. should be thinking about and having in mind about our kind of imagined yeah. readership? Well, I mean, that can really depend on the publisher, and that's part of what's important about having a clear identity for the book, because sometimes I do get proposals, and I just know that we're not the right publisher for them at all and I think they've clearly not done their research um, but for Palgrave um, and for research monographs typically the main audience is sort of academics and having sort of institutional access and looking at it that way but there can still be sort of primary readers and secondary readers and making sure that, you know, you're realistic about who you can reach. Uh, teachers, you know, how much time do they have? Will they pick up your book? And thinking about it, whether or not they might be interested, whether or not you can reach them. And also promising that this is going to be a key text on all first year undergraduate exactly. modules is probably not a very good idea. <laughs> and a very broad suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, can you talk us through what makes a kind of good publishable book from I mean, the initial time that you actually hear the, the idea to get getting to the bookshelves. What is it that makes a book kind of a success? Before publication, it's the strong structure and the clear narrative throughout and, you know, building on the data or the arguments that you have so that once the reader reaches a conclusion or sort of as they go through the book, they have a clear idea of what you've set out to achieve and, you know, how it's happened. After publication, it's 
making sure you tell people about it because again people are embarrassed about telling people about the work that they've done but if you've worked on it for a year why not tell your colleagues why not tell the people that are the most interested that you're meeting at conferences and presentations you know you should be spreading the word about it and that is also it does have a huge impact the publisher can do so much marketing but if you're not using the impact that you have then it's wasted yeah i had a colleague once who was furious that the publishers hadn't promoted her book as well as she thought like, <laughs> I thought, well, they must be selling hundreds. i mean how many books are you actually kind of going through your catalog a year i mean it's nice mm. isn't there a million books published a year in total so i mean anyone thinking that a lavish marketing budget is going to be put towards their own particular monograph is probably a bit deluded well it's more we you know we give the resources for people to use um you know we have guides and we give you flyers and discounts and things like that but at the end of the day you're there in the room and if you're not telling people then no matter how much money we spent on it they're not going to know about the book <laughs> so i'm really interested i mean people are pitching you ideas all the time what is it that you're looking for when you hear an idea from an academic what sparks your interest because you must hear a lot of kind of elevator pitches that you just suddenly think oh that's not for us so what is it that you're after <laughs> yeah just clear identity of the book and also clear idea about what they want to tell the reader and what they want to get from the publisher because as i said i do get proposals that just aren't right for us at all or people sort of not really thinking about the implications of how they might want their research presented. You know, if you have a really research-heavy project, then the best sort of publication form isn't going to be to parents first. Mm. It's going to be to disseminate it through a number of methods that then go out to parents. So sort of being realistic is quite important. And just sort of thinking it through, because often I get, as you said, like an elevator pitch um, when I go out to meet someone. But once we talk about it a bit more and develop it a bit more, it sounds much more interesting to me because I hear a bit more about what's going on in mm. the background rather than sort of the broad strokes that they give me. And that's when I get interested. And do you want a kind of fully formed idea and three written chapters or are you quite happy just to kind of work things out with them? So when I'm meeting people, really happy just to sort of discuss about ideas because uh, I know that things always happen at different stages. You know, I might be visiting a department when someone's only a year into a three-year project. I'm still interested in meeting them because obviously further down the line, they'll have thoughts and we can kind of pick things up again. Um, and it's nice to just hear about what's going on and what they have planned. But again, if you have a sort of book proposal idea I'm always happy for people to get in touch with me before because then obviously it saves us both time before time is invested in developing a proposal form I turn around and say that's completely wrong and you have to go back to the drawing board mm. so you know I'm always open for discussions really excellent so I mean finally two quick fire questions I'm I mean, I'm really interested what are the five things that you'd say academics get wrong or if you want to be positive <laughs> about it what are the five things that you wish academics would do I mean number one is definitely promoting their book um, but otherwise telling us when they're delayed you know keeping us updated because once the contract's signed we know that a lot can happen in a year and just kind of keeping us in touch and telling us about what's going on Number three, thinking about the permissions involved in your book, especially for people that are converting a thesis into a book. Mm. We know that the sort of copyright permissions and things like that are very different. If you're not sure, just ask us. And if you're not sure, just don't include it. And then to turn it on its head, two, where academics are doing it really well, you know, really innovative research because people are being much more flexible without how they're writing. They're not doing the sort of traditional dry academic writing now. They're sort of writing in a much more accessible style and I think that's great because if that's what you're reading then that's what you should be writing and number five just coming out and telling us about things because not being shy yeah exactly um you know and 
that's I guess that's turning on its head of not telling people about your research. It's sort of getting involved and and telling everyone because you know we're interested. We're part of the research community, but just from a different perspective to you are. Yeah, absolutely. You don't bite. I mean, I'm finding the final thing I'm really interested in is what's going to happen in the future. And you talked about writing more accessibly, and I'm mm. really interested in like the Palgrave pivot idea. So, I mean. Mm. What are we going to be doing in the future? Is it still going to be 80,000 word monographs? I mean, is it going to be hard? What's the future? Is it going to be 20,000 word pivot books? Are we going to be writing books at all? Is it? Are we just going to be writing research method books? Will there still be book publishers? Will there still be academics? I don't ah. know. Well, I just think it's a really interesting time to be in academic publishing because there's so many avenues that are opening up. Obviously, you mentioned the Palgrave pivot, and I think that's the sort of flexible format that goes between an article and a monograph. And it means that research can sort of go in its natural home rather than being stretched or or cut apart but another sort of development is obviously open access publishing and that's sort of something that's developing really quickly and opening new avenues for funding and things like that and the increasing move towards ebook reading how people are accessing it because people are now obviously downloading directly from publishers it gives us so much more information on how people are reading Mm. so we can respond to that and I guess people help people read better and have better reader experiences sort of lots of different directions i saw this amazing thing last week where i think it's amazon is showing the most abandoned books so through e-reading <laughs> the ones that people just start and then never finish i mean that's a scary thing as an author i don't want to know that i want to know how many people are, are kind of really enjoying it but yeah we we, we only sort of share metrics sort of like uh, citations <laughs> mendeley readers chapter downloads social media mentions because that's sort of how people are interacting with books mm rather than sort of taking out from the library because if someone's taking out a hard copy, you have no idea how far they've got along. That's, that's true. I mean, I guess the pivot thing's interesting because, I mean, we're, we're still discouraged from doing it because mm. it doesn't count. And we're, I mean, I guess yeah, we also I've, need to change our game a bit. During my trip to Australia, I've, I've been hearing different uh, sort of perspectives on how the pivot has been taken because some people have said that they have submitted it to the sort of research framework the EIA and um, it has counted Um, so I think it really depends on institutions at the moment but from my perspective it is just as rigorous as a book it is peer-reviewed it goes Mm. through that development stage so I'm always happy to give letters to confirm that to support applications because I just think it's important that research isn't sort of contorted unnaturally just to fit a a framework or an assessment exercise yeah at the end of the day it's a book that should be read yeah fantastic well thanks ever so much and yeah i hope you get some good stuff yeah it's been nice to chat to you